to another episode of Accessible Intellect, the podcast where I talk about things I find interesting in a way that will hopefully be of some value to you. Today I'm going to be discussing one of my favorite things, not only to talk about, but also to do, and that is exercise. Exercise has always been a big part of my life, and my relationship with it has changed a lot over the years. When I was a little kid, I played a lot of sports, including lacrosse, basketball, soccer, cross country, and flag football. I was also just generally active, and my playdates usually consisted of things like riding bikes, tossing a ball, or climbing trees. Like most kids, my relationship with exercise could be summarized as, it's what I do for fun, and it's how I spend time with my friends and meet new people. Although I was of course not contemplating or giving name to my relationship with exercise at that time. Then, moving to high school and college, exercise started to become more of a means to an end. I honestly still enjoyed working out and playing my sports, but for the most part, when I moved my body, it was for the purpose of improving my athletic performance. Becoming faster, stronger, more skilled, the list goes on. While I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having these sorts of motivations, in fact, I think it's actually awesome to be driven by a desire to be better, I think it's easy to get a little too caught up in that mindset and, as a result, be left with a damaged relationship with exercise, movement, and food. Becoming obsessive about our performance or physical appearance can easily make moving our bodies a source of stress and dread instead of what I think it should be, a source of joy. I stopped playing organized sports the summer between my sophomore and junior years of college, which was just over two years ago now. The transition from being a college athlete to being not an athlete at all was a pretty dramatic one, especially considering the fact that I had been an athlete in some capacity for practically my whole life. For the first time, there was nothing expected of me and my body, and nobody could tell me what to do. I got to set my own goals and do what felt right for me, taking rest days when I needed to and having the ability to work out where and when I wanted. With this freedom, I've gotten to do some pretty cool things, and my body currently looks and feels better than it ever has. I recognize all of this as the absolute privilege that it is. I understand that not everybody has these same freedoms for a variety of reasons, ranging from disease to mental health struggles and beyond. With that said, we each have a body that is completely our own and nobody else's, and we will be with and hopefully moving this body every day until the day that we die. It's in our best interest to not only invest in the health of our body, but also, and maybe even more importantly, to invest in the health of our relationship to our body and its movement. Health goals like eating vegetables, getting lean, and gaining muscle are great, but it's all too easy to lose sight of the actual health part in pursuing them. There's many cases when someone's healthy eating, healthy in air quotes, and losing weight is publicly applauded, yet behind the scenes, the real story is one of life-threatening eating disorders. Similarly, gaining muscle and improving performance can be awesome, but it sometimes can lead to people actually punishing their bodies more than helping them. I have a sort of love-hate relationship with the fitness industry. On the one hand, most personal trainers and coaches genuinely want the best for their clients, but on the other hand, social media has made it so easy for false information to spread because miracle claims sell products and get follows. Because of this, it can become really hard to know what's right and who to listen to, leaving us feeling lost despite having access to so much information at our fingertips. As I mentioned, my relationship with exercise has evolved a lot over the years, as any relationship does. I've come to know a lot about the human body and exercise science, but this is not what today's episode is going to be focusing on. Instead of making claims about what the optimal workout routine is, or the best exercises for muscle growth, or secrets to weight loss, or anything like that, 
This is going to be a pretty general conversation about exercise that I think applies to pretty much everybody, whether you're a Division One athlete or somebody that has only ever hated exercise. I think you're going to really like this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first thing that people get wrong about exercise is that they think that the hard things are easy and that the easy things are hard. I think the perfect example of people thinking that the hard things are easy are those 10 minute ab workouts on YouTube. When people think about starting an exercise routine, this is often where they start because having visible abs is such a large part of the traditional beauty standard for both men and women and 10 minutes isn't very long. So it feels like starting small and easy. But in reality, nothing about those 10 minute ab workouts is beginner friendly, except for the fact that they're only 10 minutes long, which is what draws us in. I don't think I've ever done one of those and not felt totally wiped out by the end. And I've always been someone that works out very regularly. This is also the case for things like HIT and Tabata style workouts. Again, I'm guessing that people assume that they're more beginner friendly because they don't take as much time. But I actually think that these are some of the most difficult kinds of workouts. This is not to say that you shouldn't try any of these things out as a beginner. The last thing I want to do in this episode is tell you what your exercise routine should or shouldn't look like. Instead, I bring this up because I think that there's a lot of people out there that get inspired to start an exercise routine, try out one of these types of things, and get discouraged really quickly because it's so hard. And it's only more discouraging because we think that we're struggling with a beginner's workout, when in reality, it's actually quite an advanced one. So now for the other side of my claim. People think that the easy things are hard. I think two forms of exercise that people are often intimidated by are weight training and running. Let's start with weight training. And when I say weight training, I just mean lifting weights at the gym or at home. I think the reason why people, especially women, find weight training intimidating is because we largely associate it with buff men. Naturally, when we consider if we should try weight training, we compare ourselves to this imaginary caricature of a weightlifter and shrink away because we don't look like that. Lifting weights seems complicated and easy to mess up, and there's so many choices. How do I know which one to choose? I don't know how to use any of the machines. All these things. But I promise, weight training is really only as complicated as you want it to be. Try out a couple exercises with weights that you can control. You can find tutorials for form from trainers online for free. I personally really like Davis Diley's videos, but there are so many great resources out there for this kind of thing. Weight training is great for everybody, including beginners, because you can do it at your own pace and completely tailor it to you. And it's honestly just generally less challenging than the other things I mentioned earlier. I realize that another barrier for people with lifting weights is that people find the gym itself intimidating. It's easy to assume that everybody is looking at you and judging you, but I promise you, everybody is so focused on themselves and their own workout that they probably don't even notice you. And if you think that everybody at the gym is super fit, and you find it intimidating for that reason, that's also wrong. I go to Planet Fitness, which admittedly has a reputation for being especially beginner-friendly, and I see so much diversity in every way when I'm there. There's old people, young people, fat, skinny, muscular people. I promise if you go to a non-specialized, inexpensive gym like this, you'll find people that look like you, no matter what you look like. I want to emphasize that my goal here isn't to convince you to lift weights, but instead to help encourage you to consider it as an option if in the past you've been intimidated by the idea. Next, I want to talk about running. I think running is another thing that people think is way harder than it actually is. What is hard is running fast, especially when you're out of shape. And that's how most people start and why they get discouraged so fast. If you're looking to start a running routine, I encourage you to go truly slow. 
not much faster than walking. In fact, it can even be the same speed as walking. As long as both feet come off the ground at the same time between steps, you're running. If you run consistently, it eventually becomes almost just a state of being like walking, lying down, or sitting is. You can lose yourself in it, and miles can go by without much effort. Sure, committing to consistently running is difficult, the same way committing to doing anything consistently is difficult, but the actual act of running gets quite easy in less time than you'd probably think. If you enjoy walking, you'd probably enjoy running too. Running is something that I'm planning on dedicating a whole episode to in the future, so stay tuned for that. To conclude, if you've been discouraged by things like YouTube ab or HIIT workouts or feel intimidated by running or weight training, I encourage you to rethink what we tell ourselves about these activities. Our preconceived notions about what's for beginners or not is often based on metrics that don't actually correlate well, like time commitment and imagined images of what people that do that activity look like. Being aware of this can be an important step in deciding what's best for us and how it is that we want to move our bodies. The next thing that a lot of people get wrong about exercise is they think that it's for weight loss. That's right. I believe that exercise is not for weight loss. I promise I'm not just trying to be a contrarian here. Please hear me out. As we know, our weight is largely dictated by the calories we consume versus the calories we burn. Calories in, calories out, as you've probably heard. The problem here is that we give way too much power to exercise in this equation than it deserves. If we want to lose weight, we'd be much better off focusing on our diet than we would be if we tried to maximize the number of calories we burn through exercise. For example, in a really hard, all-out 30-minute workout, we might burn 300 calories. But that's the same number of calories in a single energy bar. If we're exercising to burn off the calories we eat, then we're not going to find much success. It would be much easier to not eat the energy bar than it is to endure 30 minutes of high-intensity exercise. So what is exercise for if it's not for weight loss? Well, first of all, who says exercise has to be for anything? One of the things I'm most proud of myself for is the fact that working out isn't strictly a means to an end for me anymore. I do it because I find it fun. But I do admit, there are many things that exercise is in fact great for. It improves your brain health, reduces risk of disease, strengthens your bones, increases your chances of living longer, boosts mood and energy levels, and promotes better sleep according to the Mayo Clinic. That's a lot of benefits that are nothing short of life-changing in the short and long term, and have nothing to do with weight loss. Sure, weight loss is one of the many benefits to exercise, but I'd argue that it's not one of the top five, or maybe it's top 10 functions. So if we're working out with the primary goal of weight loss, that's sort of like eating oatmeal for its protein. Sure, oatmeal has some protein, but there's better ways of getting protein than oatmeal, and oatmeal has many other health benefits and higher potency than its protein contents, so eating oatmeal for its protein instead of those other things isn't totally logical. To be clear, I'm not discouraging you from exercising or eating oatmeal. Rather, I'm encouraging you to shift your mindset on exercise, away from it being a weight loss tool and towards it being a tool for living a happier, healthier, longer life because that genuinely is a more accurate description of what it is. I think when people are so obsessive about weight loss when exercising, it can actually be a net negative for our holistic health, because these sorts of mindsets so often can turn into eating disorders, injury, and depression. What this all comes down to is this. We should be working out because we love our body, not because we hate it. I realize that if you're in the camp of hating your body, it's easier said than done to suddenly switch your mindset towards one of love. I think I can help here. Start to be mindful about your inner dialogue when you're doing a certain type of exercise. If it's full of negativity, I'd actually encourage you to consider stopping doing the exercise for the time being. 
Maybe it's something you can pick up in the future if you find more enjoyment then, but for now, set it to the side. Once we purge the movements that we do out of self-hatred, we're left with only the ones that we do out of self-love, the ones that make us feel better. If you're left with nothing, that's okay too. In this case, I recommend that you take up a daily stretching routine. The reason stretching is so great is because it's literally impossible to do for the wrong reasons. Nobody has ever felt guilt about eating ice cream and gone to stretch themselves out as a punishment. The main reason why we stretch is to make our body feel better, which I think is a powerful act of self-love. Dedicating time every day to stretching is a way of proving to yourself day in and day out that you can move and connect with your body out of love instead of out of hate. The more we do this, the stronger the association becomes and we can use that momentum to try out other types of movement. We can slowly add to our repertoire in this way and we'll eventually be left with at least a few ways that we can move our bodies for reasons completely unrelated to our weight or the way that we look. I really believe in this and I know that the power that these sorts of mind shifts can have on our mental health and physical health. I promise you, the introspection is worth it. So to conclude, exercise does not exist as a tool for weight loss, and internalizing that fact can greatly improve our relationship with our bodies and how we move them. The last thing I'm going to discuss today about what most people get wrong about exercise is that they have a fixed mindset as opposed to a growth mindset. According to Harvard Business School, a growth mindset is the mindset that abilities can be improved through effort. On the other hand, a fixed mindset views those same abilities as inherently stable and unchangeable. This idea was introduced to me a few weeks ago in an episode of the Huberman Lab podcast that my friend Caroline showed me. And ever since, I've been trying to adopt more of a growth mindset in all facets of my life, not just fitness, as a result. I've honestly noticed improvements in both what I think and do already. So shout out to Huberman and Caroline. The way I hear a fixed mindset in myself and others the most is with phrases like, I could never, or I've always been bad at that. Specifically, I often hear, I'm not a math person. This is an example of a fixed mindset because the implication is that they've never felt good at math in the past and therefore will never be good at math. But the reality is that math, like anything else, is a skill that can improve with practice. The reason why fixed mindsets feel good to have is because it lets us off easy. If I have a fixed mindset and I'm presented with a math problem, I don't have to bother dealing with the challenge of engaging with it because that's just not for me. In this way, a fixed mindset is a self-fulfilling prophecy. We don't think that we're capable of improving, so we don't try, and then we don't improve. I don't want to come across like I'm just pointing fingers here, because I'm certainly guilty of the same thing. For a while, I identified with being bad at writing, and as a result, I avoided classes that challenged my writing skills. Now I run this podcast, where I pretty much am writing an essay every single week. I've dropped the identity of being not a writer, in part because I'm literally writing several times a week, and therefore I am a writer, a person who writes. Noticing all of these areas in your life in which you've subconsciously adopted a fixed mindset can be alarming, but I honestly think it's one of the best things you can do for yourself. I know I just got a little off the topic of exercise, so let's now talk about how a growth mindset can apply to the ways in which we move our bodies. First, in direct parallel to my experience with identifying as not a writer, we'll sometimes identify as not a blank, fill in the blank with any sort of fitness-related term, runner, lifter, yogi, it really doesn't matter. The problem here is that we think of these terms as titles, more than descriptors, something that needs to be achieved. When we picture a runner in our minds, we picture a marathoner. When we picture a lifter, we picture 300-pound deadlifts. And when we picture a yogi, we imagine an impressive handstand pose or backbend. We lose sight of the simplicity of these words. 
A runner is someone who runs. A lifter is someone who lifts. A yogi is someone that practices yoga. The barrier to entry is nothing more than just to do the thing, at any ability level and any frequency. When we say we aren't these things, we're again just letting ourselves off the hook, the way I was by not challenging my writing skills earlier. Again, the self-fulfilling prophecy returns here. We identify as being not a runner, and therefore we don't run, and hence we continue to not be a runner. I'm not saying we have to start identifying as runners, lifters, yogis. Rather, we need to stop identifying with not being those things, because that does nothing except put us in a box. I want to emphasize yet again that I am not telling you that running, lifting, and yoga are things that you need to incorporate into your routines. But if you're not doing them, or anything, these are of course just examples, because you identify with not doing them, then I'd encourage you to work on dropping those labels and then reevaluate whether or not there's something that you might want to explore. Adopting a growth mindset has not only helped me improve myself, but it also has made me more optimistic about my future and what I can become. It's hard to overstate how good that feels. I think at this point we've shown how a lot of the ideas that we have about exercise are actually completely wrong, even some of the most widely adopted ones. Movement is one of my biggest passions in life. It's something that I love to do, talk about, and share with others. As great as it is, our relationships with exercise can easily become complicated and even unhealthy. It's my hope that some of the ideas that I provided today can help you with your relationship with your body and the way that you move it. I know how important these conversations are, and it's important to lean into them rather than shy away. So if you have any thoughts that came to mind while listening, I'd love to hear them. I encourage you to leave a comment below or reach out to me directly. Our ability to move is such a gift, and I'd love to discuss it further with anybody. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Accessible Intellect. If you liked it, I recommend that you check out my earlier episodes and subscribe so you never miss a new one. You can also leave up to a five-star review, which would help me out a lot. What would mean the most to me is if you share the podcast with a friend. That, more than anything, helps me grow. A lot of work goes into making this podcast, and I want to make sure that it reaches as many people as possible. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to discuss, I'd love to hear about it. You can put that or any feedback in the Q&A section, which you can find at the bottom of the episode on Spotify. I truly love reading what you have to say. Your feedback and sharing makes a bigger difference than you realize. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye, everybody.